Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Bernard Kobach, head of the Innovation Accelerator at the World Food Program. Now, Bernard founded the Innovation Accelerator back in 2015. And today we'll hear all about their work, who they fund, how they fund. We'll hear success stories and get a real feel for the value of the concept of innovation accelerators and how this approach can help us meet all the targets across all 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. So today's show is all about innovation, technology, and embracing an entrepreneurial mindset to solve our global challenges. And without further ado, Bernard, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Alberto, it's so great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. So you're out there in Munich. I'm here in London. We're going to have a great chat. Going to learn all about the virtues of accelerator programs. And so you're the uh, you're the head of uh, of the Innovation Accelerator at the World Food Program. Why don't we start actually by finding out a little bit about the World Food Program for those of uh, those listeners who maybe aren't that familiar with it. Yeah, so the underlying issue that we want to tackle is creating a world without hunger. So when you think about uh, hungry people across the world, there's unfortunately still 828 million hungry people. Um, and the, the the root cause of that is actually like quite diverse. So sometimes there's droughts, there's natural disasters, um, but also climate change that influences that. There's also, for instance, conflicts uh, that are driving up hunger numbers uh, as we speak. Like when you think about Ukraine, when you think about, um, you know, maybe displaced people in South Sudan or like in uh, in Yemen. Uh, but then there's also chronic hunger, which is, you know, people are just too poor to have a, live a healthy life. And I think in the world that we live in, like it is totally possible to actually have everybody on the planet um, at least have a nutritious meal and like live a healthy life. In this World Food Program, the mission is to save lives in emergencies and change life sustainably. So essentially tackle that problem of uh, creating a world without hunger. And the, the challenge there is like, you know, as World Food Program, you oftentimes, you know, may not even hear about us other than the organization is there when you hear about like there's crisis going on in Ukraine, uh, in Afghanistan, uh, in Venezuela, but you know also sustainably helping small the farmers, creating connecting them to markets. So that's what the World Food Program does, reaching about 130 million people in 120 countries and territories. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we'd, we'd like to be in, a, in, a, in an existence where we don't hear about you at all. So that, <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. And it's like, it's just the, the unfortunate truth is also like so, right now, there is things going on in the world where you would hope that more people actually find out about it because it's like, there's so much going on that you don't actually even uh, realize, you know, maybe it's a fifth or sixth failed harvest in East Africa now in a row. And like, who actually knows about this? Uh, that, that That is, of course, challenges that the world is going to face like if you have millions of people marching towards starvation like this is something that i i'm sure people care about it's just like even like with everything that's going on it's hard absolutely absolutely so you back in 2015 if i if i if i get my numbers correctly, correct yeah you founded the accelerator program uh, this uh this innovation accelerator at the world food program 
Tell us about that. What What is that about? We may hear about uh, accelerators in a sort of venture capital context in the private space, but you're not operating in that space necessarily. Um, what's it look like? What's it all about? So the basic idea for that uh, is we know that innovation and technology works to solve some of the biggest business challenges like you think about Silicon Valley, you think about great apps that we're using on day-to-day -day basis in developed countries. Um, why can't we use the same mindset, the same approach for solving some of the world's biggest social challenges, social impact challenges, such as zero hunger, such as poverty, such as gender equality, climate change. Um, and this is where the idea is coming from, like adapting what Silicon Valley does well, but for global social impact. Um, and the, what we are running essentially is a global accelerator program that helps either in emergency response, making it more effective or sustainably ending hunger, like connecting farmers to markets, mother and child nutrition programs, school meals programs, but also new employment opportunities for some of the people who are the most vulnerable in developing countries. So people who are, you know, maybe you're a subsistence farmer, maybe you're a smallholder farmer right now, and then, you know, there's a drought and all of a sudden you fall into hunger. Um, and these are the types of topics where like we are focusing on so, uh, supporting innovations, startups, could also be internal UN innovation from the World Food Program that help us really take, uh, you know, take the next step in impact. Because we also know that a lot of the World Food Program right now is 100% voluntarily funded by donations. Um, and unfortunately, every single year, from what the World Food Program says we need to do just to help people, typically we're 30 to 40 to 50% underfunded. So we don't actually, we can't help everybody. So it's even more important to think about like, what are those new ideas? What are those technologies that we can use to uh, better help people, but also more sustainable business models. So some some of those startups are perfect for-profit business models, and if they can scale, you know, instead of you know creating yet another thing for affluent populations in developed countries, you can use the same ingenuity, the same mindset for solving big problems. Now you you mentioned the word using the same ingenuity. And you touched on Silicon Valley and some of the, the mindset that's embraced there. Before we get into some of the initiatives that you're driving forward there, um, one question I have to ask you, and more from a sort of business school perspective, is how do you reconcile the the risk appetite that that exists and prevails in the West Coast in Silicon Valley with the, I could be getting it wrong, but the ostensible uh, risk aversion, perhaps, that you might have on some of these bigger supranational organizations, right? Oh, it's very interesting because uh, it, you, funnily enough, I mean, you, you'll have like at the World Food Program, I would say every like all every WFP staff every day is innovating somewhere. Right. It's like when you when you think about like operating in South Sudan and then there's floods, how do you get food to people uh, when you're in Afghanistan and you need to know, like, how, how do we actually get like, you know, cash transfers to people or even like Ukraine right now? Like so like there's these types of like uh, mindsets now the. Of course, there's an element we don't want to put people at risk. We don't want to put people into harm's way. So like that's an element of. Yes, you, you never want to be the in, in the situation like in Silicon Valley. Well, if it fails, uh, well, it, it actually may influence people's livelihoods. So like there you want to be careful. However, 
I think it's more about like how can you get the appropriate infrastructure in place because there's so many people who have great ideas that want to help that want to do stuff but this you have lots of venture investors you have accelerators you have incubators that do all of that for for profit in developed countries why not use the same approach for the you know social impact and then you also can talk about like how can you bring people along because you might be uh, a silicon valley founder but you have no idea what life in a, div uh, in a refugee camp is like right absolutely absolutely and so there you are 2015 at uh -huh. the world food program and what is it an epiphany moment you just think okay let's start an accelerator no so actually so this is where we we have to go back a couple of years before that so um the it was together with a friend uh, we actually realized that the world food program can um feed a child for a full day for only it's 70 euro cents or 80 dollar cents um and at the time we actually were really shocked about this whereas like you know if if more people knew about this like why don't we create an app uh, that makes it easy for people to donate like you have a, a button on your smartphone uh, that allows you to donate and then uh, this is how we created an app that's called uh, share the meal uh, and share the meal actually then uh, went on to become like you know one of google's and apple's best apps of 2020 and still one of the world's leading fundraising apps that's now the corporate fundraising app of the world food program um and when we started share the meal like there really was no risk capital and uh, there weren't that many support mechanisms for social entrepreneurs out there and this is what got me started in like also like the support of the world food program executive director at the time in terms of like you know there's these great ideas share the meal i mean now it has raised uh, over 170 million shared meals um so uh, by 10 million people so like this is like it's a movement so there's lots of people who get excited about this who are now having awareness about hunger issues that want to actually do something um but that would have never started without you know finding the right people you need supporters you need funders like these these are relevant issues um and that's what sparked also my interest in saying like you know there there, there must be a ton of people out there you know and if it's 10 startups, 100 startups, 200 startups. If we believe that, you know, you can actually create, like for, for me, it's still mind boggling that you would think about like the, you know, you can be a startup founder and you create a unicorn that has a billion dollar valuation. Like, why can't we actually do this for creating like big impact and helping uh, people who are otherwise, uh, you know, not getting the support, right? So like this, this is essentially the, the moment in that which then led to uh, the creation of the accelerator here in the in initially also negotiating, then looking for where we want to set it up. And then also the German government and Bavaria here actually like stepped up and said like, yes, we actually think that's a great idea. We're going to take the risk with you and we're going to fund this. <laughs> So, so share the meal. The app was the first uh, step, and then the accelerator subsequent. Tell us a little bit about share the meal before we move on, just because I I, I think it's a fascinating app. So give us a little bit of glimpse of, of what that's how that works. So the the app itself is I mean it's really easy. So like you, everybody can download it on like you know the uh, Apple App Store, Google Play Store. Share the meal uh, in one word, um, and then once you download it, it's literally one tap on your phone and. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay um, or you know credit card if you if you like to uh, or, or PayPal and then you you can actually donate the seventy euro cents and seventy cents you can actually choose where you want to donate to uh, you can choose to donate to 
I don't know, helping people most in need to people affected by the earthquake uh, in Turkey and uh, Syria right now, uh, or also like now providing like funding to innovation, like micro loans to female entrepreneurs and farmers, which, um, you know, which for an innovation we call she can like you select that push a button uh, and then you actually see your impact. You see what you've donated, you can invite your friends and then together how much you've achieved. And I think this is this kind of uh, business model innovation there also, which is like, okay, it's not just if you donate 70 euro cents, 70 cents is not that much. However, if you and 10 of your friends do that, and then 10 of your friends of your 10 friends do that, like together, you know, you can actually achieve big impact. And I think this is the basic, um, the, the the basic premise that the app works on of course you can also donate like you can have a subscription every month and say like i'm donating 12 euros i'm donating 100 euros whatever you actually wish to do um, but i think this is the 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 connection between like you have the power to choose what you want to do you can also give a little and together this can have big impact mm. so here's share the meal the app you come up with it you get all the right stakeholders aligned, it, it becomes a reality. And then the uh, the innovation accelerator comes to fruition, becomes a reality. And we fast forward to 2023, and here we are today. What? Who is in this accelerator? Is it a bunch of smart people congregating in a room? Is it uh, somehow dispersed geographically where you have folks who make up the accelerator but who might be in your different country offices? Mm -hmm. who, who's part of the accelerator? So I should say the the superstars, of course, like are the ventures, like the startups, the nonprofit innovations, the innovators from the World Food Program that we are supporting, because they are the ones driving the innovations of startups. Now, in our team right now, we're actually right now running a total of 15 accelerator programs, four for the World Food Program, which is about half our budget. The other um, the other 11 is what we now call SDG Acceleration, which is a programs we're running as a service or in partnerships with others, like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the German government, uh, Luxembourg and Austria, uh, on different other global problems like vaccine delivery, um, primary health care, gender equality, climate change, just humanitarian innovations. Um, and then doing all of that and we also work on innovative finance and like actually work on ai and blockchain type innovations um so that together right now we are 82 people um 44 different nationalities 67 percent female also across the team um and 70 percent female on leadership i should say that as well um and right now everybody or almost everybody's based here in munich in germany and from munich we're essentially supporting the startups and innovations globally um, and so like we've developed a model how you know we either do this remotely or we bring them here for a one week training program that we call innovation bootcamp and a pitch event also with investors and then we support them again to co-develop their solutions with the people that the solution is intended for so in any of our programs countries so like they're implemented then in Ukraine, in Kenya, in Colombia, like you name it. Um, and as World Food Program, of course, like we have a field network. There's 120 countries where we have operations. Um, and so like this is the other superpower that we have, if you want, is that it's not just this office here, but like it's essentially the World Food Program, like the network, the field networks in deep field that we can use to also pilot, but also scale innovations and startups. Well, little did we know, we thought all this stuff was happening in Silicon Valley and New York and London, but there you go. Munich Munich is the center of, uh, of the action in some respects. 
which, which is good to hear. We are, you know, we funnily enough, like some of the aspects actually is because yes, World Food Program uh, operates a lot in, across Africa, uh, the Middle East, and then also 20 countries in Asia and Latin America. Like that's where like actually time zone is relevant for our business model. And the other one is actually then flight connections. So, um, you know, Munich is uh, strategically well positioned for a lot of these things. And it's a great place. It's a great place. Now, you said the real superstars are the... Uh are those ventures that you guys are backing. Give us insight into uh, the portfolio of the companies that you're currently engaged with. Who, who are they? What are they doing? What's some of the stuff that you're really losing sleep over because you're just so excited about? Yeah, no, and like, I, th I think sometimes I'm, I'm losing sleep over the, the things that we are not yet managing to support or like where, but like, I think the, there's ex really exciting stories also about the impact of some of the innovations that we um, um, have supported. I mean, uh, one of the startups, and it's a social business that um, I, I believe you've also covered before, it's called Sanku. Mm. Um, and so Sanku essentially has created, and it's when talking about ingenuity, like this is where it's not just a very simple thing like this. They have an IoT, an internet enabled device where essentially like small millers in Africa can now fortify maize flour with vitamins and minerals. Um, and like that in itself sounds okay. Well, there's a, there's a technology innovation and uh, you can actually see what's happening. But there's also a business model because they can offer that fortified maize flour for essentially the end customer at no additional cost, which is great. So people who are in remote areas in now Tanzania and Kenya uh, now have access to fortified flowers and are no longer suffering from uh, malnutrition, so like vitamin and mineral deficiency. Um, and they're like last year, uh, Sanko has reached about four and a half million people already. So, and this is something that you have to think about. Like a couple of years ago, when Sanko was in our innovation bootcamp program, like at the time, I mean, they were maybe reaching like shy of a hundred thousand people. Uh, and now it's four and a half million people that are benefiting from that solution. Um, I mean, this, for me, this is still mind, uh, mind blowing because a lot of times this is this deceptive logic of innovation or startups where people would say, well, it's small. It's small now. The question is like, does it have the opportunity to grow? And like, can it actually have impact at scale for a lot of people, right? Hmm. Now, a lot of people listening to this are probably thinking, this all sounds amazing. Um, and you, I know you are a big fan, not just of this particular accel accelerator, uh, but of the notion, right, of the notion of having innovation technology and having these accelerators to solve a range of sustainable development goal challenges. Mm -hmm. um, is there a recipe? Is there a template? Is there a way that somebody listening to this could say, right, okay, um, we, we need to do something similar like that. Where do we start? So we, we actually try to open source everything that we do and like we're sharing actively with other like UN entities, NGOs, whoever actually wants to do this, like uh, also openly. Um, so like on our, it's on our website, innovation.wfp.org or on LinkedIn or on Twitter also like we have a Medium blog. Now the, the like what we're trying to get across is like how do you adapt like if this kind of for-profit venture accelerator to social impact causes and like um the the there is actually a lot of like common things uh that are exactly the same 
And then there's differences. So like, for instance, we also are part of the Google for Startups Accelerator program. So we benefit from Google support. So we're really grateful for that. Uh, but then, you know, Google also recently, they started a climate change accelerator program. And we are, you know, also like, giving inspiration talks at their program and like talking to them about like what we think would be priorities, right? Um, so if anybody wants to do that as well, like I think, you know, reach out like we, the, the, the real question here is, what's the problem that you're passionate about solving um and you know this could be multiple things like in our case of course it's also hunger uh, there's gender equality there's climate change like there's things that are closely related to hunger issues also uh, but you know maybe people want to have um um you know, I don't know, want to save the coral reefs or like, uh, you know, like uh, wildlife diversity. Like, so there's, there's lots of different topics. Uh, and I think, you know, as a global community, as the world, like, I think there can be a lot more that can be done with that type of approaches. Mm. How do you find those startups with, with great promise and ambition and, and intellect? Uh -huh. uh, how do you find them? Because sometimes that uh, originating those deals isn't that straightforward. Yeah, and it's it's multiple approaches combined, to be honest, like, so on the one hand, we believe in a kind of the open innovation concept. So like, on our website, innovation.wfp.org, everybody can apply. So like, it startup, people need to have a legal entity, but like, theoretically, everybody can apply across the globe. And we're actually open to innovations that are um, that um, that are applying. Um, now the, the, we also, I mean, I go to conference, colleagues go to conference where we speak at startup, uh, pitch competitions. We are sharing our calls for applications with people, with other entities, uh, with governments like, you know, in the European union, but also the, the, the U S government and so on, like that are innovation funders with foundations and so on. Uh, but we also actively look for startups. So like, whereas like what we are doing for instance, like with our field offices, uh, oftentimes like looking into like, what are the problems that you're trying to solve? Um, and how could we find startups or innovations that really could uh, help address this challenge? And this is the, like, it's, I would say it's as much an art as it is challenging uh, because yes, finding that type of solution is I think that's step one. For us, what we then typically do in our innovation bootcamp, we really team up the startup or nonprofit innovation with internal staff from the World Food Program. So it could be, let's say, a solution for Kenya. We would bring together the startup with somebody from our Kenya country office uh, and have them co-develop over the period of one week, really, what is the solution and uh, how can this be actually implemented to like reach the next level. Um, and for us, this is, is a great way also to test pressure test the assumption like does the startup really solve the issue um are they coachable are they not coachable do they have a vision do they not have a vision and like either extreme is bad right mm. do you also if we're looking at parallels with with uh, silicon valley and uh, do you take uh you take a seat on the board of these uh, startups do you take an equity stake on the on these startups and are these startups uh for profit not for profit hybrids so we, we are totally open to any way, shape or form. It can be for-profit, non-profit, can be an internal um, innovation team from the World Food Program. Uh, I personally believe there's different 
you know, different solutions can be a better fit for different problems. Like there is problems where I think a for-profit startup or a company is the best solution because you then can also use private investor money to scale and like invest into those problems. Uh, there's other issues uh, where you know, you're dealing with like maybe identities for vulnerable populations, you know, maybe that's where a non-profit or UN type approach is better because we will be safeguarding like the privacy, data privacy, protection of those people, like really like to the fullest extent. Um, and, um, you know, like the, the startups, when they, when they can apply, I mean, for, for us, the, the challenge is always, okay, not just Okay, they come to us. Typically in our program, we provide up to $100,000 of uh, equity-free funding, so grant funding, hands-on support through uh, my team at the Accelerator, uh, and also external partners that we have. Uh, and then the best teams go actually on in what we call a scale-up enablement program. And again, I mean, this is based on the funding that we've received from like, you know, donors, uh, governments, high net worth individuals, foundations, and so on, uh, and corporates. Um, but as you're saying, like, do we take a seat right now? No, we're actually not allowed to do that. But we're working on launching a new, uh, essentially a repayable uh, grant fund uh, with another UN entity that's called UNCDF, uh, the UN Capital Development Fund, where we will be able to use essentially investor money to help scale some of those startups and innovations. Um, it's like a loan is a repayable grant type of program. Um, because we see like grant funding is one thing. And of course, if we had more grant funding, that would be ideal. But Right now, there's an opportunity for, you know, real private investor money to also use that to scale some of those social ventures. So really impact investing in a, in a very pure sense. Absolutely. And I, I do believe like it's hard, of course, because like this is where, you know, everybody, you know, is talking about ESG, like uh, environmental or social governance, like kind of uh, type of like investing approaches. A lot of times, you know, the investors are really struggling to find like what is the the, the ESG approach to this type of innovation here, uh, or that startup that they're investing. Now, in our case, like that, essentially, we can uh, tick a lot of boxes of like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, now, the challenge is like, it has to be investable and ideally create a lot of impact in our case for, you know, the people we serve. So these are like oftentimes people who are not affluent. So like people who are like, barely making like um, enough income to feed the family. So like these are the types of people that we actually cater for. Now, perhaps I know the answer to the question, but I'll ask it anyways, which is um, must the, the, the entities who come up to you who say, look, I want to be part of this. I want to, I, I want to seek funding and support from, from your accelerator. Um, do they need to have some sort of track record of success beforehand? Or could it literally be someone who, just has a great idea, but maybe hasn't had that track record. And I say that because I know of other organizations that, yes, they have these sort of investments coming in, but they'll say only if you meet X, Y, Z criteria. And that criteria is already, it removes the risk so much from the investor because you're backing something that's tried and tested at scale. You know, And in your case, what's the situation? Could somebody new come up to you? Um, everybody can come up to us. So like, I should say this, like typically though, like, I mean, it's a competitive process. So we're looking for, you know, every year right now, we get about 2000 applications inbound, not counting for like, uh, the startups that we're actually looking for. Uh, and, and then we select the 30 best out of those 2000. 
Um, and those 2000, as, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, like sometimes you, you might be coming from Silicon Valley, but you have no idea what life in a like developing country or a refugee camp is like, but you have a solution already that you've tested, you know, then our values accelerator can be, well, you, we can help you actually make the introductions to people that know and like, how can we bridge that knowledge gap? Similarly, we'll have, uh, we'll have startups from developing countries that, you know, sometimes they may not have the role models or like the mentors or like how do I build a, a, a scalable app, for instance, and then we can make that connection. Like we can balance out these uh, development areas of the startups uh, during the acceleration period. Um, and I think this makes for really, really exciting um, yeah, a, a mix of startups and teams as well. And, uh, you know, the applications that we receive, like the, the vast majority is from developing countries, actually, uh, in Sub-Saharan Africa and like, you know, the, you know, the startup the innovation space where you have you know Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, like, so like di different countries. Um, and but I, I think they, they can a lot. I'm sure there's more than 30 exciting startups out there every year that could make a difference. What's the cycle? The, are there any deadlines? Um, what, what are the deadlines? What's the funding cycle look like? What time? When should people get a, a hold of you? So right now, I mean, it can go on innovation.wfp.org. I mean, like at any point in time, we are open for applications. So um, right now, the cutoff is like June uh, 2023 for WFP program. Um, and like, but we're also running other challenges for like some of the partners, you know, like on you know, humanitarian innovation or like agriculture for climate action, like different programs that we're actually running. Um, and th this is where I can, you know, I can I can only encourage folks to, to say like, well, you know, look at what we do, look at what others do like this. Also, of course, like some of the larger, um, you know, it could be Google for startups that actually runs a climate change accelerator. Uh, they also have a great Black Founders Fund. Like, so there, there's lots of other programs that are actually buy now out there. However, there must be a lot more. Like, I'm I, I'm I'm saying this because like I I just don't believe we we uh, that we are like. We are where we are. And the other aspect is, of course, I, I, I'm appealing to the sense of urgency for people. Like, it's the same thing like on climate change. It's the same thing on we are right now living in a global food crisis. It's like we should take action right now so that we have impact tomorrow. Like if we're waiting until next year, like, I mean, the situation might get even worse by then, right? Mm, mm. So how did you get into all this? I love, I love the energy. I remember before having you on the show also, I... I I took a look at your TED talk, which was great. And you just come across so fluid, passionate about what you're doing. Um, again, how did it all happen? Because uh, just curious what the trajectory was. I mean, uh, so I guess I, you know, I originally um, studied business administration, international management, like I did like master's degrees in that. Uh, and then actually joined the Boston Consulting Group as a management consultant. And like in, incidentally there, I happened to build a lot of new businesses for large scale corporate, like industrial goods companies, tech companies, uh, really uh, doing that for five and a half years. And then um, essentially, I started working at the World Food Program. Like, in a, th this is where it's interesting. I, I always had this, like, I was part of BCG's social impact team. So, like, I, I had a passion for, like, creating an impact with the work that we're doing as well. Um, but for me personally, actually, was one of the challenges was I, I, I never knew how properly. Because, like, if you're, if you're actually, you know, trained 
having an MBA, like, you, you know, like it's stereotypically, you think like, well, what you can do is like, you can create companies, you can work for a big company, but how could you actually have an impact? And I came across uh, actually um, an opportunity the World Food Program where I then build up the internal management consulting team. So it's called business innovation team, business innovation and change. And that team still exists today. Um, and then, um, as I was talking about Share the Meal earlier, then with a friend together, we created Share the Meal, which is now World Food Problems corporate fundraising app, and then our accelerator here. For, for me, I have to say, um, th this is one of the, um, you know, I, I guess one of the challenges is always that, uh, do you have to work for the UN or do you have to work in social impact only? I would say no, I think, but it's important to me that, let's say, if you're working for a company right now, or if you are creating a new startup, think about the ways how this can actually be having a positive impact for the community. Or if you have a product, how, what are the procurement standards that you're actually purchasing from? Like, do you buy the cheapest thing from the lowest quality standards or where you have certain environmental standards? Like, and I think uh, this is what essentially drives me in terms of like thinking about through our actions, what can we actually do? And like, you know, making, making the most of it. <laughs> you probably thought when you were leaving uh, BCG that you're heading into uh, pastures that were a little bit more tranquil and slower moving. It sounds to me like maybe you, you, you jumped out of BCG and you moved into an even faster pace. Well, so, it, I mean, I, this is where it's interesting. So like um, BCG, uh, I mean, for the last 15 years is supporting the World Food Program pro bono. So like that was one of my hypotheses. So if BCG supports the World Food Program, it must be a great organization. Excellent, <laughs> like, yeah. excellent, excellent. excellent. Uh, no, but like it's, it's uh, I, I, I think this is also like a, a common misperception about like the, I mean, the United Nations, but also the social impact sector. Uh, I would say like a lot of people are super passionate about what they're doing um, and it's more, you know, sometimes you have really also different challenges, right? Like where, um, let's say, some of the startups that we're working with and like you're now implementing a new solution for smallholder farmers in, let's say, Kenya. You'll need to make sure, you know, that you'll get the government on board, the local communities, the farmers groups. So like you're actually working with people. So it's not like I think there's additional challenges that you may not see, like when you're walking out the door in like somewhere in Europe or in Silicon Valley, uh, you know, you can actually ask people, do you want to buy my coffee or do you want to use my app? Like you can just walk out the door and do that. Um, specifically when you're working with, you know, vulnerable population groups, people who are suffering from hunger, like there are, you know, di different things that you would want to make sure uh, that you're, you know, not putting people at risk. And like, at times, like this can seem like a slowdown and it, it's slowing down the process in the beginning for sure. But, you know, out of the process, then it, it's, it's so much more gratifying when you see this actually working, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to ask you, what's that key takeaway? What's the one thing you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? My one wish is that people start understanding that, you know, we can actually do something about some of these big problems. And if we feel overwhelmed, like, you know, let's just get started. And like, it's also this notion of, you know, startups and innovation and technology, things that were not possible five years ago or 10 years ago, it's not that we have to accept the situation in the world right now. We can do something about the situation about global hunger. We can tackle climate change. And it's not just um, about wishful thinking. There is technology, there's startups, there's things we can do right now. And 
And it doesn't all have to be painful. It actually can improve people's lives and actually create a big business also. I love the sense of urgency, the optimism. Uh, Bernard, thank you so very much for joining us on the Do One Better podcast today, uh, joining me as well. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed meeting you, learning about your work. Love the energy, and I wish you great, great success for 2023 and beyond. Thanks so much, Alberto. It was a great pleasure, and you know, looking forward to hearing more from also the audience. Absolutely. Perfect. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Bernard Kovac, head of the Innovation Accelerator at the World Food Program. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other case studies and interviews with remarkable leaders in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you are not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Thoroughly enjoy producing today's show for you, as I do every week, day in and day out. It's a pleasure to interview great people and learn so much from them and be inspired by them as well. So I hope you're equally inspired uh, to take action and improve the world around you.